Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We have another listener's choice. Uh, I think, Bobby, we can all identify with this listener's uh, challenge. It is uh, a sales slump. We've all been doing this for a long time. Bobby, how, how long have you been in enterprise technology sales? I guess I guess it'd be about 18 years. Well, I mean, it was 2000, years. so 1999, 2000 when I started. Yeah, so a long time. Uh, sales slumps happen. I, you know, I think that uh, this is a, a challenging role. It, there's a lot of ambiguity. Uh, there's a lot to it, right? So I think we're going to cover three things today, kind of how we typically get here. We're going to reflect over our careers on how we get here, uh, the approach and, and kind of some of the risks and dangers of being in a sell slump. And then finally, we're going to talk about a very actionable one-week plan for you. You know what I just thought of, Brian? There are probably people listening to this episode that weren't even born in 1999, which makes me feel like an old, crotchety old man. <laughs> It's very true. Uh, the top two prospects on both the Mavericks and the Dallas Stars uh, were born, I think, in 2000. So wow. they were very young and not even born when the Mavericks won their championship. And uh, they weren't even born when the last time the Stars won, the, won their uh, title. So, And I bet neither one of them can make an above-average sales proposal like Bobby Doss. Oh, <laughs> man. Talk about tying it all together, bringing it full circle. Yeah. So there was this great quote I saw. You know I love quotes, Bobby. Probably overdo the quotes, but I really like them. Paul Graham, he is the founder of Y Combinator, uh, said, when you compress something su uh, sufficiently, you discover its essence. Consciousness has many advantages, but that is the greatest. And I love that about compressing something sufficiently and discovering its essence. And I think because our job, these sales jobs, are a bit ambiguous in nature, right? There's not a plan that says, day one, do this. Day two, do this. Day three, do this. Rinse and repeat. There's ambiguity to it, and there's changes and challenges and, and new competitors and all that kind of good stuff. But when you compress it down to, to something sufficiently, you can discover its essence. And I think the, the biggest piece of feedback we'll, we'll talk about over the course of the day, over the course of the show, that is, is getting back to the basics, compressing the crap, compressing the exterior noise, and getting down to the, the basics and the focus of the job. So, I mean, we don't just come up with this slump um, because of the market or external pressures all the time. There's, there's normally a reason or two that we get to this point. So let's talk about a few of those. I think, I think first of all, we probably overcomplicate our territory plans. Uh, we make them a lot more than just compressing it back down to the basics. Do you have an example of a time where you might have overcomplicated your territory plan, Brian? Well, certainly early in my career, you know, we'd have this big grandiose. And actually, I, I talked about this in the, it was one of the first series that we did on the Texel show. We talked about territory plan, and we're going to get deeper into that next year, too. Um, but yeah, I was very early in my career. Um, I would build out this 16-slide PowerPoint presentation, and I invested all this time. And I was like, I'm going to do this marketing event, and I'm going to, I'm going to call in. I will call into these customers, and I will have this marketing event, and I will do this. And what's the problem with all that will stuff, Bobby? 
it's not it's not actually doing and to plan to boil the ocean never starts to warm up a pan of water yeah not at all so overcomplicating the territory plan is, is probably first and foremost the number one thing so i i would i've encouraged people the anytime i've been a sales manager sales leader i don't care if your territory plan is in a pretty powerpoint deck in fact i'd probably look down upon it a little bit have a very actionable quick to the point territory plan based off evidence research history and get to selling don't overcomplicate the territory plan don't spend three months on it six months on it you know have have some good focus uh, you know focus and direction here but get to the plan yeah you added a little bit there i would say that the the, the six month planning is also six months of not selling so that's not yeah. the basics of your job Again, this is why, or these are a few reasons why we get in the slump. So we overcomplicate the territory plan. That's number one. Number two, I see this one quite a bit in my current world. We close a big deal and everybody celebrates that big deal and they kind of take a deep breath and they enjoy the commission check or they enjoy uh, the relief of, of all that hard work and getting the big win. But but it's it's the time to build more pipeline. It's the time to get focused on the basics. And if you let that high of the wind last for too long, you might get up against the eight ball and not have any pipeline to go get. How about just getting straight up burnt out in the role? We, we, you know, this is, um, we, you know, there's always the joke about, uh, on January 1st or whenever the beginning of your fiscal year is you're back to zero. You know, back to zero. That's all. That's the joke. Walk in the halls, right? There's a fair amount of burnout that happens in this job. It just it is what it is. So, um, this that's how we get here as well. Back to burn. Back to zero, man. Some people go back to zero each week with calls. Uh, if they're yeah. an inside rep, some people are back to zero each month if they have a monthly quota. And and I know a lot of people that are now on a quarterly quota. That I mean, the grind is a tough, tough grind, and and burnout's a very real thing. And then the last one. Uh, maybe not as common, but is one that will sneak up and bite you is if you're focused too much on that next thing, whatever that next thing is, maybe you're going to change roles and you start interviewing, you start building business plans for all that. You spend all your time trying to get re-networked and grow that network. And then before you know it, you've spent 90 days on this pursuit. That's actually could be even an internal pursuit towards a new job. And you, you look up one day and you go, Oh my God, I don't have any pipeline. I have no deals past you know the early stages i have no evaluation plans and next quarter is going to be brutally bad then just if you don't get the job that you were working so hard on you're going to look like a not so outperforming rep uh when the when that does come to fruition and you start to try and find the next job again you're going to be back to zero um not a good place to be it's not and that's why we talked about even in the last series, we talked so much about having your house in order before you start taking on stretch assignments and stretch projects. Um, if your house is not in order, you're taking on a bunch of work and you're thinking about that next role and you're working towards that next role, it's going to distract you. And and it could even lead to some burnouts um, and in what could become an overcomplicated territory plan as well. So it, this stuff kind of piles on top of each other. So I think what this leads to a lot of times too, Bobby, is that the prospects can smell desperation in salespeople. It's a it's a common commonly said and, and appreciated thing. I think if you're in a panic, your prospects will know that. They'll know you're desperate. They'll avoid you. And I thought Alex Dunham, uh, he had he posted this on LinkedIn last month, talking about the last day of the month. It's uh, you know salespeople are going to cut their price in half. Um, 
and it, he kind of was reflecting on that desperation that salespeople get to at the end of the month and not putting yourself in that position because desperation stinks, doesn't it? Yeah. It takes away all creativity. It takes, uh, it probably takes a lot of the emotion out of the game, although it seems fueled by emotion. I mean, if you're, if you're down to just price, then you really don't have a great product. You really don't have any value anymore. And, and while Cherie said it, and lots of people that have come before her on this podcast have said we've trained people to buy, you can still be the person that changes that mindset uh, as you go through the buying process. So um, don't, don't, just, don't just sell on desperation. Please, people, don't do that. I was talking to one of my mentees earlier this year, early in 2018, and, and uh she was going through, uh, you know, had had a good, good year, but then a kind of a tough start to the new year. And um, uh, she'd been with the company for several years, but she was hoping to move into a, an M1 job to be a, a first line manager. And the, the it kind of even goes back to what we were talking about, kind of how you typically get here. She had put so much work into getting that first line manager role and had a great year. And then all of a sudden, she'd had a tough Q1 and a tough start to Q2. And then this, this kind of panic set in and she forgot how good she was year after year after year after year. And it's so common. It isn't like we, we almost, I I know for me that, that maybe it's self-esteem, call it whatever you want to call it, but we, we start to kind of get angry and we start to kind of maybe blame others rather than, rather than taking a deep breath and we'll kind of give you some actionable things to, to kind of take away from this on things you can work on on, your, on yourself. But you, you kind of emotion starts to take over versus good practical, uh, you know, business management skills. No doubt. And I, I see it in my current group of coworkers and friends where everything's out to get them. Uh, I, I very rarely, it's, it's almost comical how rarely I hear about how well positioned Dell is to take over the world because we're soup to nuts, end to end, the only company that sells hardware, software, services, owns VMware. I could go on and on about all the positives, but boy, it sure seems like Carl Icahn can write one letter to the shareholders <laughs> and you know nothing's ever going to work out and everybody's just bitching and moaning. And the reality is, is customers don't necessarily pay attention to all of that. And we got to stay positive ourselves. But in those panic-stricken moments, man, you'll point at anything to take some of the heat and pressure off of yourself. I've done it, and I'm sure I'll do it again one day. No doubt. And one, one last anecdote before we jump into the kind of the, what we're going to call the one-week plan, right? It's going to be a busy week for you, but it's, we got a one-week plan. One more anecdote is, um, Bobby, what, if your approach, let's say you had a tough quarter, and, or, and let's say in our in our kind of our business, it's probably measured in half years and years, right? Tough half year, tough year. Have a conversation with your manager. Let's say scenario one is you're angry, you're blaming so and so. You know, even if you're not just pointing fingers and you're you're pissed off about it. Let's just say that you're 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 in a you're complaining about this. You're complaining about this. This got in my way. It was this economic, you know, thing got in our way. That's scenario one. Scenario two is, I didn't do a good enough job with this. I laid out a marketing plan that said I was going to accomplish this, but I missed here. What if it was, what if you gave five points on where you failed as an individual versus five points on why others failed? How much, how much more grace and latitude do you think your manager would give you? Probably a million to one. I mean, uh, of course, 
no one likes the crybaby and probably doesn't want the one that's going to beat himself up till the end of time either. But if you're no factual, doubt. if you're factual about it, um, no doubt. I, I, I've said it before on this show, and I say it a lot in front of my peers. The QBRs, the quarterly briefing where I'm showing you what I did or said I was going to do, very rarely ever does anyone say what they said they were going to do that they didn't get done. I say it all year long so that if I do have this, then I, I call it out. And I try to provide context, not 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 excuses or blaming others. But I, I got so busy because my pipeline was full and I had all these deals I was chasing. I wasn't able to take these four CIOs to a dinner that I said I was going to take them to. Or we didn't have the marketing funds, so this event that we committed to doing last quarter wasn't done. It's sharing that responsibility of getting these things accomplished that, that I think managers really do appreciate. So... With that, let's jump right into it. Again, as Brian said, this is going to be a busy week, but if you really want to get out of the slump, here are 10 things that we say will help you get out of that slump in less than five business days. Number one. Number one. This is a tried and true one. Uh, This is, to me, this is the most important one out there. Uh, it's, It's worked for me professionally year after year after year. Build an evaluation plan and test it with each deal that you're working on, whether you have... 15 deals that you're working on or two deals that you're working on or or, somewhere in between, right? You've got some sort of plan, some sort of close plan, and you need to rebuild it, throw out the old ones and rebuild it from scratch one by one by one and take a serious evaluation as to where you're at in each deal and then test it with the prospect that you're working with. Is it more demos? Is it pricing? Is it contracts? Who's signing under what conditions? When does the project start? Test whatever your evaluation plan looks like for a prospect to buy and to turn into a customer or for an existing customer to buy more products from you. Test every one of those evaluation plans. Yeah, the the example here would be if you are a gardener and nothing's growing in your garden, you're going to have to do some replanting. You're going to have to do some reseeding. You're going to have to do a lot of, of fixing the garden so that it can grow. And I think we often use an example of a dead plant we might be watering a bunch of dead plants that garden's never going to grow so without doing the work that brian's talking about without dissecting each deal without having someone challenge you on each of those deals um you're not going to know whether or not that garden is going to be fruitful so take the time and do that love it so just a little sub bullet underneath that one bobby the if if you're concerned that this is a dead plant continuing on that analogy and you've been doing all this work and you've been getting this out to them and getting that out to them. The next step needs to be on them. No question. Make it small, make it small. Maybe they owe you whatever it is, but that's a way to test what kind of, if this plan is alive or not. That's one, one way of doing that. Well, one article that I'm going to write or post one day and we'll do a show on it is, is uh, something that uh, our old friend and president of Sparkhound taught me to do. And that was the close the book email, right? I mean, yep. at some point you've got to break up with a deal and see if they want to get back together again. And uh, it, it's surprising how powerful of a tool that close the book email is. Uh, we'll, we'll follow up more on that in future episodes. Number two, reassess your territory. Um you you might have characterized a bunch of accounts as home runs that maybe aren't quite home runs anymore. Uh, you might have let a few accounts fall way down in your prospect list that you weren't going to chase that maybe need to be moved up. Um, they might be open to a vendor conversation that they weren't open to when you first built your plan. So 
uh, reassess who you're targeting, why you're targeting them, and maybe refreshing that list some. I always try to call on brand new customers when I get in a slump uh, or new people in a current account so that I can really just be rejuvenated with the, the building of that relationship and rapport with a new human being. And you may be in a situation where you assessed your territory, you know, at this point, 10, 11 months into the fiscal year, a lot of a lot of things happen. Now, I know a lot of people will reassess their territory every month or every week or every quarter, but I know there are some of us out here that are just evaluating their accounts on an annual basis. Maybe time to refresh those. Number three, delete your to-do list and reassess your calendar. I, I think this, this goes back to the quote that we kicked off the, the episode with. When you compress something sufficiently, you discover its essence. How many times have you looked at your to-do list, Bobby, and you thought, my gosh, half this crap doesn't have anything to do with me signing new business. So uh, A lot sometimes. I mean, the, the work that my boss maybe puts on me, the work that I'm doing for my family, the things I'm doing for my kids, and... Before you know it, you're being overwhelmed by your own in by the own by your own admission. You're putting more stuff on your plate. I'm looking at my desk right now, and I've got more than one to-do list. Just as a, as an idea, none of the the ones that are on my desk have anything to do with selling. So I definitely can relate. Yeah. So re re delete your to-do list. That's that's a bit dramatic and hyperbole, but but take a take a real assessment of your to-do list. I had a. I use Trello. I've, we've called that out before in the sales productivity series that we did. And I accidentally, on my iPad, archived my to-do list. And it was out of control. It, I had 20 or 30 things on the to-do list. And I archived it in a meeting. And I thought, so then I made it to-do for me to unarchive my to-do my to-do list. There you go. And what I ended up doing is I never recovered that to-do list. I took, I took a deep breath. And of course, the most important critical things. I remember those things. We have an insane capacity to to be reminded of the most critical and important things. So it wasn't as if I dropped some balls, but it was a great opportunity for me to um, to start fresh, to take a deep breath. I like that practice. I I have done it, and uh, we'll do it in the future again. Number four: meet with three of your successful peers for a quick cup of coffee. Uh, after you meet with them, talk to them, find out what's going well for them, find out where they're making successful campaigns work, etc. But after you're done, figure out five things that you took away from those conversations, the practical nuggets, the things that you learned that you should implement, and then go implement those things. Uh, to have coffee with three people in a given week is not too much to ask, especially if you're in a slump. I'll take number five as well because it's... it's yep kind of my baby back to the basics we we've been saying it and it's true it is true but you know tiger woods has been in a slump you can pick any professional golfer you want i've been watching my son learn over the last six months and he wants to hit one ball and then go to the golf course it is all about the basics and you have got to practice 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 tiger woods probably still spends every day at least 30 minutes to an hour practicing his putting uh, and I would say every pro on tour spends an hour a day practicing their putting. And, you know, not much has changed in the last hundred years on how the putter works or how the ball rolls. It's them getting that muscle memory locked into place. You, as a professional seller, you are a pro. Do the basics. Practice, practice, practice. And don't stop practicing. 
Number six, this is my personal favorite. This is something my brother and I have uh, bantered about for 20 years now. It's th- There's always been the cliche, hey, uh, why don't you just work a little smarter? And they, they kind of leave out the work harder piece. And I get it. Like I love Tim Ferriss too. I love the four-hour work week. I employ many of his tactics. But how about we work smarter and harder? Like we've, we've selected a profession that can be um, – you know, a good compensation for us, make a good life, good living. Working smarter and harder is not a terrible thing. Number seven, get some rest. This is another one of my favorites. Um, so I have this this thing to where if I'm burnt out, my Thursday morning, when, it, when possible, it's not always possible, right? But my Thursday morning policy is that I'm not going to start a meeting before about 10 or 10.30, and it's intentionally because I want to try to get a little bit more sleep on Thursday. I don't know what it is, Bobby. I don't know why this is so meaningful for me. But when I look at my calendar on a Sunday night after a crazy past week or two weeks and I see that 30, Thursday morning blocked off, there it it's almost like it's almost like I got a little mini vacation. You know how we like so look kind of look towards Fridays. It's almost like I got a little mini vacation an extra hour and a half of sleep for some reason, psychologically for me, that's, that's really important. So find, find whatever that little boost is for you. Yeah. And this is the week, the one week plan to get out of that slump. So maybe you need two mornings for this week. I don't know, but do something to, to reinvigorate yourself, get caught up on some sleep uh, and you'll be surprised how much energy you'll have. Number eight, coach yourself or ask someone very close to you that you trust to investigate your pitch, right? Whether you do it in front of a mirror, whether you record it. Now that we've recorded so many podcasts and shared them and I listen to myself back, I, day one I was so self-conscious. Today I'm like still extremely self-conscious of it all, but not as much. Um, record your pitch. Listen to it back. Critique it. Take some notes. Um, if you don't think you can do a good job of that, record it and ask other people to, to critique it. Those mentors, if you've done what we've asked you to do around mentors, Call your mentors up and say, would you buy from me if I said these things? Whatever it takes, really dissect how you're trying to sell and ask people to help you understand why it is or isn't working the way you're doing it. Number nine, delete the time-sucking apps or browser shortcuts and browser shortcuts from Chrome or Safari or Internet Explorer. Whatever, whatever you know, if, you, if we take a step back and we assess where we're, in, we're investing our time, the day, whether that's, you know, in the lobby with the customer, you know, on the way to the office, on the train, wherever we're, we're, we're getting time sucked into uh, Twitter, uh, which is, which has become a terrible source of, of time suck or browser shortcuts from, you know, tech meme or whatever tech news site that you get sucked into. Delete those. You'd be amazed of how many hours or minutes you can get carved back into your schedule for things that actually build you and not take away time from you man i am still amazed if i look at facebook i'll look up and like 45 minutes has gone by and i don't know what has happened it's crazy uh heed this advice people um don't just don't look i feel like i should let you do number 10 but i'm gonna steal it from you uh let's get fit um i think brian and i both have been on a on a journey over the last five years to, to get more athletic and more athleticism in our lives. And Brian's crushed me on this one. I'll give him all the kudos, but uh, I have been getting up early in the mornings and running uh, as, as the weather's gotten nicer in Houston, Texas. And I, I can, I know I feel better. I know I'm getting more fit. I know my brain's clear 
and I'm getting a ton of time out of the day because of it. I might go to bed a lot earlier, but man, I, I feel like I'm getting so much more done. You don't have to start by running a marathon. Uh, walk the dog. Take a walk with your significant other. Take your kids for a walk. Get to know them in a different way. Uh, turn off Snapchat and all the other things that they're doing and try and get them to see you and the world in a little different light. Do what you can to be active. You'll be amazed at how well it gets you do- how well it gets your mind going. A couple things to add to this. I, I agree. This this one for me is huge, of course. Um, the first is I, I talk to people that try to add this to their schedule quickly. Um, don't don't overdo it. Start slow. <clears throat> there, somebody told me several years ago. Uh, they said you should only add one mile per week to your to your workout schedule. And I thought, man, that's that's insane. I can do more than I can add more than one mile per week. And as I've been doing this for a long time now, I've found that to be very true. I'll talk to people all the time that say, man, I, I've been trying to do this and I'm just so sore and my knees hurt and I've got shin splints and everything else. Like you said, start slow. Take the dog for a walk. You know, take your kids for a walk. I, I went, I ran th- uh, three miles, two miles with my son uh, yesterday and it was amazing just to have a chat with him to, you know, he's taller than me now. He's freaking 13 years old and he's taller than me and his strides just blow me uh blow my mind but it's it's such a great um opportunity my wife and i take our our dog for a walk on the long walk here and uh it's a great time to to spend time with family to to get your to fight fatigue to boost your energy there's a lot of benefits from this all right so we've given you the one week plan 10 things to do this week to get yourself out of the slump or bookmark this uh, podcast episode and use it if you ever do get in a slump. Share it with a couple of your friends. Man, we've done a lot. Uh, we hope we're providing you all a lot of value, but we do ask that you share the Tech Sales Show with a few friends. Um, maybe that could be the way you get reengaged with your network as you share the Tech Sales Show with some of your friends uh, and like previous it. coworkers. As always, average sucks. Average is the enemy. Don't be average, people. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.